I'm Darren. And this is Lauren. Welcome to the Lone Star Cyber Podcast. And we're back from a slight break. Uh, Lauren and I spent some time with uh, our family for the holidays. Uh, for me, frankly, the holidays end around St. Patrick's Day, but uh, Lauren wanted to get back at it. So um, say hi, Lauren. Yeah. Hi, everyone. We made it through. If you're our, uh, one of our local Lone Star listeners, uh, we made it through the holidays. We made it through some ice storms. Um, and so hope everyone's doing well with some of the crazy weather we've been having, but excited to get back to talking some cyber. That's right. And uh, we recently heard from a listener who mentioned they were interested in some more foundational topics and, uh, you know, particularly to help students and young professionals alike uh, baseline on some basic cybersecurity concepts. Today, we're going to discuss cyber risk, what it is, and talk a little bit about how to manage it. In future episodes, we'll dive deeper into different aspects of risk and different approaches to managing those aspects of risk and interview some local practitioners so they can discuss their real-world experiences in the space. Risk is often conflated uh, with threat or vulnerability, and I've worked with a lot of organizations that uh, you know, oftentimes will interchange the use of the terms. So we wanted to do a little bit deeper dive on the definitions of risk and um, what risk actually means. And frankly, for, for everybody listening today, uh, risk management is something we do every day as human beings. We may not realize it, right? You're walking down the street, you're looking both ways, uh, you understand your environment, and you try to minimize the potential con- negative consequences that you may face. Uh, if you look to NIST, they look at uh, risk as the measure of the extent to which an entity is threatened by a potential circumstance or event. Um, and it really looks at the functions of the adverse impact or magnitude of the harm, uh, and the likelihood of occurrence. And you can really break that down into threats, vulnerabilities, and potential consequences. Yeah. So I think, you know, we've hit now on some of these core terminology uh, that come up in just about every cyber conversation. So the vulnerabilities, the threat, um, but that impact piece, as you kind of alluded to, is often kind of put off to the side or not necessarily captured in that broader assessment. Um, But it really is, you can think of it almost as like a multiplication formula. Of course, we don't have just numbers magically that we can plug into there. But, you know, that vulnerability uh, times the threat times the impact. I mean, you have to have, be vulnerable to the threat. There has to actually be a threat out there looking to leverage that vulnerability. Um, And it has to make a difference uh, in a, you know, negative, have those negative consequences on your business. If the answer to any of those were actively zero, which of course they never are in our life and world, uh, I guess technically you wouldn't be at risk, right? I mean, if you have closed off that vulnerability. It doesn't really matter if an attacker out there is being seen leveraging it the wild because you're not at risk in that specific scenario. You're zero on that one vulnerability, but at large, at scale, you know, how can organizations try to wrap their heads around this? Because it's not just about that one vulnerability or that one threat or the one piece of data that they're looking to protect, right? So how do you kind of work with an organization that's trying to understand and wrap their heads around the totality of risk. Right. And it's, it's, um, 
the totality of risk, especially if you know if you're focusing in on, on cyber risk, a lot of people think about the um, the technology impacts, right? And and um, a lot of times you know, you've got the impacts that you feel, but you've also got different sources of risk, and those can be both man-made and natural. So if you've got a data center that's in a you know, a lot of people uh, think, you know, Arizona, a nice place to have a data center. Well, yeah, okay, but they've also got monsoon season, right? So as part of your risk management process, if you've got a data data center in Arizona, are you monitoring, uh, you know, the environmental conditions that might impact uh, your backups, your, your cloud location, things of that nature? And so, you know, focusing in on what are the sources of the risk that you might realize over time, it could be a person inside of the organization that has malicious intent. There's a lot of these sources, these threat sources um, that can really drive uh, your need to, to measure and manage risk. Yeah. And when you brought up that example of kind of the environmental potential impact, I think, you know, that really ties into availability, right? Like you needing to be able to access the, the systems and the data that you need. So, I mean, how much do you see this kind of tying in? I think we may have on a previous episode laid out the CIA triangle, but, mm-hmm. you know, kind of talk through those things, right? Confidentiality, integrity, and availability and the importance of that. That's right. And, and, you know, we also talked about people, information, technology, and facilities as being enablers of the business processes and of risk and resilient risk management and resilience. And, you know, the, a lot of times when we look at, um, you know, let's say availability, right. You want to have, uh, you know, multiple cloud solution out there that's going to allow you to have uh, different avenues to the same data. And and all of that is, uh, you know, a very good strategy. But understanding kind of what those uh, potential dependencies are is, is another source of risk, that third-party risk. If you're not in multiple different locations, multiple different backups. So expanding your, the thought process from uh, just, just the cybersecurity side of it and understanding the business side of risk um, really helps you better understand. Okay, what is it? That, what is the scope of what I need to look at in terms of risk management? But if you take it just from a an individual perspective, right? Let's think about grandma, right? Grandma's sitting at home. She's got her little password book, you know, that she keeps in her drawer, and everybody makes fun of that somehow in the the cybersecurity space. But you know what? Who's breaking into her house and going into that drawer to get at her pictures of her 15 cats, right? Like, what is the risk that she's trying to manage in her personal life? So that might be a perfectly adequate way to keep her password safe so that she's not keeping it in a Word document on her computer. So understanding kind of the environment is really critical as well. Um, Yeah, no, totally agree, right? And I think that's... You don't need to throw a hammer, right, at every single situation. It's it all comes down to that prioritization. And so understanding where there's that um, appropriate response and mitigation practices, because I mean, in the, if you could, right, you would obviously love to just absolutely have the ultimate defenses. But, you know, there are costs associated with these things. And there are um, impacts on to the way a business operates, right? Into potentially how quickly something can be done. It's always weighing. These are business, they are security decisions, but they are also business decisions at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you mentioned the, the process of managing the risk and really, you know, risk management is a process and it needs to be a process that's owned by the business and integrated throughout the business. And, Part of the challenge that I've seen is that um, 
you know, the IT, IT security, cybersecurity side of the organization oftentimes will manage risk in a kind of a bubble or a silo and may not always understand the drivers of all the business risks across the organization. So that kind of integration uh, is, is really important. Um, but what you really want to do is understand what types of risk that you're exposed to. Um, you know, it might be financial, reputational, compliance, business risk, technology risk, um, you know, and, and which risks ultimately are the most likely to impact you. Uh, you know, is it a nation state actor? Is it, uh, you know, a, a hurricane? Is it a uh, uh, an opportunist because you're not uh, doing the right thing in terms of uh, securing your systems? Yeah. And I think, you know, it can be a lot for an, an organization is trying to ask those questions. Like I, where would you recommend folks start? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I'm most vulnerable. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think there are so many uh, institutional tools, technology tools um, that, you know, can get folks started to have an idea of, you know, Hey, these are the places where peers of mine, right? So, I mean, obviously there are things within an uh, organization's technology that can help expose uh, those risks um, and potentially, you know, attacks that may have happened or things that have been actually exploited, um, but also potential risk. Um, and then there's the the broader, you know, more proactive yeah. research that can be done. Well, and think about it, it changes over time, right? So think about it from a geopolitical perspective where you have uh, companies openly supporting one country versus another or uh, openly uh, criticizing or pulling business from one country over another, that starts to change the risk landscape in terms of you know, politically motivated hackers that want to go after. And you can take any kind of political situation, uh, whether it's uh, you know with law enforcement or with other categories, and you can understand how risk might change from a hacktivist perspective or cybersecurity perspective based on either decisions that the business leadership makes or decisions that are made uh, or exposed as part of the business, right? You know, it might be uh, animal testing or, or anything like that. So that risk kind of changes over time. And, you know, my challenge is I'm often businesses and, and governments will often ask me, like, what's, what's my highest area of risk? And that's really hard to answer from the outside. I can take some pretty good guesses if I look at, like, some critical services. But really, the organization has to own what's what's most critical for me because, they understand the business best. They understand their strengths and weaknesses best. Um, you know, all the professionals out there in the world can absolutely help them. Uh, but really understanding their risk, what business impact analysis, uh, going through a you know risk management uh, process, uh, doing something that allows them to understand. Okay, this is what I need to prioritize. This is where I need to invest my money uh, because the money is finite and the leadership's not going to give me everything I want. So where where do I real, what's going to give me the most bang for my buck? Yeah. And, you know, security practitioners can't know that in a silo. Right. And so, you know, before you start talking about potentially external folks that are, um, you know, really in the know around the latest threats and the campaigns and what's happening, uh, coming in, but without that knowledge of the, the business side and that kind of cross-functional, um, relationships and trust within the business, which, you know, can take time to build up and to, you know, make sure that we have that understanding because we often speak in acronyms in different terms. Um, and so it's just ensuring that those conversations are happening right across the aisle. And if, if you're, 
you know, if you're in a process that is truly doing risk management, the risk may be something that's acceptable to the organization. I mean, really, you need to kind of look at those risks and say, what what's the appropriate disposition for that risk, right? And the, the first way that I, I help try to help people think through it is, you know, what's the worst that can happen, right? What is the worst that can happen? Um, this helps you establish priorities um, and you know, categorize those risks based on high priority, low, medium, et cetera. And that's both by, you know, likelihood, but also potential impact. Um, you know, if you're an individual, right, what would, what, how would you feel if your entire, you know, photo library was, was ransomware and you, you wouldn't have access to it? Uh, what about, what if they were stolen and posted online, right? Maybe you like taking, you know, taking pictures and you don't want those online. Um, for businesses, it could be business disruption, Loss of intellectual property, uh, loss of privacy, maybe healthcare data. Um, so, really understanding kind of what's most important to the organization, and there's going to be a variety of drivers for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just taking that example in, in the healthcare, you can just think of well, the impact could be catastrophic in that they cannot actively be providing. There's so much interconnectivity, right, in the way that we do smart healthcare these days. So, you know, to be able to actually provide critical medical services, you know, that they need to be able to do that. But there's also compliance, HIPAA considerations, you know, if there were to be a ransomware actor, you know, it's not just I need access back to my systems. It's also, I do not want my patient data to be leaked and exposed and published, right? Which we know now uh, that, you know, many, if not most uh, ransomware um, actors have kind of pivoted to do that type of extortion beyond simply the, you know, I've locked up your access to the systems or or locked encrypted data um, to actually say, I've also, um, you know, taken some of your critical data. And if you don't pay, I'm going to go ahead and post it online. Yeah. And that, that really gets down to the, you know, in layman's terms, what risks are you willing to take as an individual? What risks as an organization? What risks, um, you know, you in the healthcare world, you're not willing to take certain risks, right? Mm-hmm. Patient health, patient outcomes, um, you know, privacy of the data. Those are risks that, uh, generally speaking, are not going to be uh, acceptable for the organization. But there may be other risks that, that they're uh, willing to take that aren't uh, impacting the patients. So, you know, understanding that really helps you prioritize the highest impacts based on the risk. And, you know, if you're an organization, it's, you know, Tracking the risks, assigning the risks, and then um, you know understanding in a risk register where you know where everything is um, you know prioritized and, and uh, what's what risks have been mitigated, and understanding that oh we've seen this risk before. This is how we determined to dispose of this risk. Has that changed? And then you can keep kind of that cycle going. Uh, you know, for for individuals, really, it's um, you know monitoring things like. Um, you know, uh, have I been owned? Um, you know, any of the uh, dark web monitoring tools that are out there. Um, you know, there was a, a, a breach recently at LastPass, and you get a lot of customer notifications for from some of these breaches. And as an individual, staying active on kind of closing those vulnerabilities and managing your own level of risk, um, because you know that's that's really something that is important to you as an individual. And in general, those password services seem to be like a really great help in all of this, right? Because we ideally want to have strong passwords that we're not, you know, doing the same password in lots of different systems, if not ideally not 
repeating it ever. Um, and that can be, you know, if you're not having that written down notebook anymore, yeah. you know, that's, it's a lot to manage, but though, but you know, as you just mentioned, um, not impenetrable and right. not, you know, the silver bullet to all of this. Well, and you know, it's, it's all about controlling risk, right? And it, it you know, the actions you take to mitigate the risk, um, and, you know, adding controls, you know, it's patching passwords, you know, your cloud configurations, two-factor authentication, zero trust, all the, all the things that, that we do in cybersecurity. It's, it's, it's very interesting because a lot of, you know, a lot of organizations, they deploy controls to control the risk, but they don't always test the controls. They don't always check to see if they're effective. Right. So if you think about a control, very basic perspective, a lock on a door, why is that lock there? Um, you know, putting a password in a locked drawer, what's the, what's the threat environment? What's the risk? I mean, understanding whether or not that's effective against the adversaries you're likely to, to face and to understand whether the risk is reduced to a, a low enough level. Let's say you're, you're running a, a parking garage. And you realize that your, you know, your your the, the little cage that comes down, the little gate that comes down, allows motorcycles to to, to slip through, right? Okay. So looking at it from a, a a cost versus implementation perspective, does it make sense to you know put a little uh, extension on there? Does it you, do you buy a whole new gate or do you just say you know what? How many motorcycles are are, are cheating me this week? Right. Um, but if you if the, if there's some sort of security you know process uh, that they're going through, maybe what you need in fact is a uh, parking permit. You don't even need those gates. You just make it a permit lot, and you can ticket anybody that doesn't have a permit. So really, kind of understanding what the bang for the buck on your controls is uh, is key to reducing unnecessary controls, and then making the controls that you have more effective with the with the outcome of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, then again, cyclically, right? Because, yes. you know, what uh, matters two years ago uh, might be very different from what is most important in your organization now. And that gets to the maturity, right? That gets to uh, having a process, having a plan, um, you know, really being able to understand who's responsible for risk management within the organization. When you identify risk, who's assigned to track and you know, control that risk uh, and, you know, review it every year. What's that process look like? Because oftentimes you mitigate the risk, you think it goes away, but then there's something else, right? Maybe it's a misconfiguration, maybe it's a, a new vulnerability, and, and you've got to kind of rope that into the cycle. Um, and really where that starts is the top of the organization, whether it's the CISO or the risk manager uh, or the CEO, if you're a smaller organization, Right. Understanding that you have that support because this risk management activity is going to be not just within your silo. There's going to be a lot of other uh, support mechanisms that you're going to need because if you need to understand what kind of a financial risk a breach to XYZ data is, you're going to have to talk to, you know, the chief financial officers people or somebody else in the organization. If they don't know where you're coming from, they don't understand why you're even talking to them. They don't want to be cooperative. It's really got to start at or near the top to, to help folks understand this is a team, uh, a team effort to really understand and drive the reduction of business risk. 
So, I mean, I know we're going to, um, again, this is kind of a top level episode, and then we're going to actually talk to some real world practitioners that are doing this and can share, you know, what their challenges are, how they've worked through that. Um, and you know, what the benefit to, you know, assessing risk and having a risk management, um, cycle has been in their organization. But I mean, obviously there's NIST RMF, right? The risk management framework. Um, but there's not necessarily one, this is the only way that you do this, right? Um, and certainly those are, there's guidance around here's the steps, right? That make sense as you're looking from, you know, identifying through implementation and re-identifying and cycling back. But, um, you know, what's your take on, is there just one right way to approach this? Or, you know, it's really is more that there's such great guidance out there and it's looking at, you know, how your organization is built and thinking through what makes sense for you. It's got to be collaborative and it's got to be in line with the business culture, right? So if you're, um, you know, if you have a, if you're in a medical environment and, um, you know, you're running around talking about cybersecurity, you're, you're probably going to get a little bit of traction, but if you're going to be talking about privacy, you're going to get a lot more ears. Um, and so understanding, Again, you know, if you're in a manufacturing context, you know, cybersecurity is safety, right? And everything else you can get beyond safety is, is, is a bonus. Um, so building that collaborative process with, within the culture of the business, um, having an established process, there's you know, really good information that uh, Carnegie Mellon has put out on, on Octave Allegro and on uh, the resilience management model. There's obviously NIST, ISO. Um, there's um, you know, just a ton of a ton of resources out there. Fair. Um, so just you know, pick a process that works for your business. If you're an international organization, it's probably going to be ISO. If you're domestic, you want to take or even government take a look at NIST. Uh, but you know, it's it's really all of the different processes are are you know, different ways of getting getting to the same same end state, which is a collaborative process that that drives down risk to the business. 